You're listening to Almost Famous, a music industry podcast championing independence powered by The Famous Company. Whether you're an artist or music industry professional, ensure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. So people, we are back for another episode of the podcast and uh, today's a, a very special one for myself. This is a, uh, a man that I've, uh, I've spent a lot of time with in and out of the music industry. It is Mr. Will Reeves. Will, how are you feeling today? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. Good to be on here with you. Thanks for having me. No, it's good, man. It's good. Let's let's jump straight into it. I'm I'm curious about this one because I feel like I know already. Um, but let's see mm-hmm. if I'm correct. How how did you get your start in music? What what started off for you? Um, I suppose like I obviously well, you and I met in Bristol and I was studying there at UE and I was doing um a course called Music Systems Engineering. So I kind of just went through education in college as well. Um I did music tech, which is like really basic stuff. Then went on to uni, like kind of developed a bit of a passion for the studio side of things um, in my teens. And then, yeah, I guess I I never was good enough at playing any instruments because I started playing guitar when I was like 12 or 13. And I thought, oh, it would be really cool to like try and make a career out of that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't think I was good enough and I didn't put enough practice in so when I got to kind of college and then university there was an opportunity there to kind of like switch over onto the other side of the glass um in the studio and I just thought I'm going to go for this and then I kind of just fell on my feet with it a little bit um in the university course there was kind of different modules some were like you know professional studio practice someone was more hands-on to do with like circuitry um, there was a performance aspect, there was live sound. So there was all these different things and you, it was kind of just to kind of figure out where your interest lay mainly. Um, and then obviously I was working in bars, which is where I met at, at Harvey Nichols in Bristol. And I was working there one day and a guy came in and said, oh, I'm an artist, I'm a music producer, but I need someone to mix my EP for me um and I was just kind of like I'll do it for free like you know because it's so tough to get into the industry as you know like out of uni there wasn't really many connections and also at that point I still didn't really know what I wanted to do I didn't know if I wanted to be a live sound engineer or a recording engineer or mixing which I still didn't really know very much about and I got taken into the studio in Bristol studio called out the box um with a guy called luke and dj who were so good to me and i'm still in contact with them now i see dj regularly um yeah and that was my kind of first out of education like studio experience really um i mean if i was to go way way back when when i was 13 we did um we did when you're at school you do work experience um, and I got work experience at a recording studio, but that was, I mean, I was just like shredding papers and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. came out of university and was just on the hunt straight away, but obviously had to get another job. So bartending and then fell on my feet with, with these, with these guys who took me in and kind of just winged it, to be honest, like taught myself as I went, YouTube tutorials, X, Y, Z, um, yeah. kind of went from there. And then 
after that studio, there's another recording studio in Bristol called Toy Box, or there was anyway, which is in a place called, is it Portland Square, which is behind um, Noah McDonald's is on that corner by Hollister, or where it used to be. Yeah, I think I think I know the one. If you go across the dual carriageway, like away from town, there's, I think it's called Portland Square, and there was this really cool recording studio um, that a producer called John Parrish used to work out of. Mm. And I got really lucky, like my mum's friend's sister's cousin knew John like well because he used to buy records at um, this woman's record stop shop. And they just put a word in, like, oh, we have a friend's friend's son who's interested in music. Would you, you know, would you talk to him? And I ended up reaching out and he was so nice. He was like, yeah, come to the studio. And then I ended up hanging at that studio for like a whole summer whilst they recorded and mixed and did amazing stuff Mm. and that was that was the first kind of time I took um more interest in mixing right um yeah and then that was where it really kind of like picked up from there and then I was just doing bits around Bristol like reaching out to people I mean I did um I did ads on Gumtree Facebook like just everything to try and get work in so you know how it is when you're starting out yeah, you use the use the term reaching out. Now, me and you have definitely learned um, in, in both of our journeys that networking is is a key. Um, and there's, there's definitely different ways to kind of approach people. But before you went full time, I remember you heading out to the US for an opportunity. Mm. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and how that <laughs> yeah. how that got? <laughs> yeah, that was so ridiculous. Um um, again you know what I'm like I kind of just go with a flow and I just fully was just like you know even even with bartending I would just go and if an opportunity came up I was like I'm gonna go for it so when the Harvey Nichols thing came up I just went for it and then I was working in another bar and then um how did that opportunity come up I think whilst I was at the two studios in Bristol I was obviously doing loads of other research and i when I had sat in on some mixing sessions at Toybox, I took what I learned there and I took it to the other studio and like tried to mix some of the stuff we were doing, just like with grassroots artists, which is really useful. Mm. But during that time, I got introduced to Pensado's place on YouTube, which is like the holy grail for mixing engineers. Dave Pensado is like an absolute mixing legend and he created this platform. Um, and it was like, being shown behind the curtain in terms of mixing like he talked specifically about techniques he used on in in specific tracks and it was just amazing and I then started doing loads of research into um who my favorite mixing engineers were who had mixed some of my favorite albums and current music I was listening to like who's mixing it so I just really started like researching and you know doing that side of it um and I found out that a lot of my favorite mixing engineers were working out of this studio in LA called Larrabee Studios. So me being me, continued digging, found the email address like online somewhere from the studio manager at Larrabee um, and just said, hey, like, you know, I'm in Bristol. I really want to be like an engineer. I've assisted this in, in Bristol as well. I'd love to come for an interview or just talk to you and just, you know, it's just an experience kind of just like sold myself a little bit, but just tried to let them know I was really keen. And, you know, 
it's a massively it was such a long shot but she ended up replying and she was like yeah like if you want to come for an interview on this date like it was no big deal I was like cool and I just like booked a flight like there and then just to go literally for an interview it's ridiculous it was all, I mean, all the was, way out to the US where in the US is this LA LA so you go all the way out to LA yeah just 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 for an interview and how long yeah. is this interview I was there like two hours yeah but what's so what's crazy is so I, I arranged the interview and then when I landed at LAX I had an email on my phone from the woman being like, oh, I'm really sorry, we need to postpone the interview. And I was like, ah, I was like, no, this is so bad because I've come all this way. But obviously, like, I don't think I let on to her that I was flying specifically for the interview because it seemed like a bit crazy. Right. So I was I was like, yeah, cool. Like, um, just as soon as we can get it in, let me know. And she set a date, um, which was after I would leave. So I had right. to extend, I had to stay for like another two weeks so I could go to the, the um, so I could go to the interview. But then obviously I went there and I had, I can't remember how long I was there. I was maybe there like, maybe like a month. Um, and I was going to be there two weeks originally, but then I had to extend it another two weeks to be able to get the interview in. Um, and then obviously whilst I was there, I was just on socials like crazy, like trying to find other people to go to the studio with like try and get experience try and meet people you know and again I got really I say I got really lucky I just think networking is such an important factor um one of my best friends dad is a bass player like a really great session bass player and he played bass for this artist called Joe Brooks who's from Southampton um and he was over in LA at the time so they linked us together and we went and had a coffee and he was saying, oh, you know, I, I know this guy. He's got a recording studio down in a place called Thousand Oaks, which is like down the coast from Santa Monica. He was like, oh, I'll give you his number and just give him a call. And then I ended up working at his studio for like two weeks, just like in and around sessions. Like they were doing writing, got to record, did some mixing. So dude just completely winged it and just went with the flow. But it worked out. It worked out so good. So I it did. it all over again, for sure. It did. Um Back in March, you did a AMA, um, and wow, man, you answered a lot in an hour. I was on it. I was on you, it. I you did. were great. <laughs> but um, you got numerous questions on two topics, uh, mm-hmm. and I'd love to. I'd love for you to break them down for me. N- number one was um, producers on social media. So basically, what you were just saying then about you kind of networking, it might be a little bit different now because we're talking what 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 was this back in 2014, 2015? Yeah, around then, yeah. 20, 2015, I think I went. Yeah, so um, I want to know your take, producers on social media. How do you now approach artists, but also how do you like being approached? Mm, good question, man. Um, can I answer the second part first, of how do I yeah. like to be approached? Because I feel like that is so key. It's kind of... I can only talk from my own experience in terms of um, in terms of me approaching people with what did work and what didn't work. And then now, now sometimes people are contacting me and some people have done it really well and some people have not done it the right way at all. A lot of it is just timing and in luck because for example, if you, there'll be days where I'm, or not so much recently because I'm focusing on mixing, but when I'd be recording more of artists and they'd, 
the artist would say, oh, have you got any beats? And I'd just look in my emails or my DMs or whatever and see who has messaged me most recently. And they would have sent like pack, packs of beats or whatever. Then I'll just pull those up and, you know, see what's going on. Um, and then obviously we ended up using it, reach out to the, the producer and just say, hey, like we did this on your track, X, Y, Z. Um, so it's ti- it's massively a timing thing. And also like timing thing, if you catch someone like on a good day, they might be more, you know, more likely to reply to you and give you the time of day. But if you're catching them on like a day where they're super slammed at work or they're just having an off day or they don't feel like it, then that can kind of play against you. So a lot of it is luck and timing, I feel anyway. I I do my absolute best to try and respond to like everyone who messages me because I know what it's like to be in that position. Like it's so hard to get into the industry and I had a lot of times where I would email or, you know, back in the early days of Instagram, like DM people or, you know, whatever else it was and just get no response and it's really demoralizing. So I do do my best, but sometimes it's it's tough, um, especially for like really busy. Um, but anyway, I think the right way to do it, there's there's a really fine line between being keen and passionate and being like a pest. So yeah. you are you obviously just like state your claim, like what what is it you're wanting to achieve? Get straight to the point, don't fluff around, just like, you know, say this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. And if you want something from that person, then ask in a way that isn't like, I just want this from you and then you won't get anything in return. Like maybe try and say, you know, I could do this for you or like if you need help with this or just, you know, let them know that you can do a job for them. Um, And then once you do get an opportunity, then you just need to make yourself indisposable. Like you need to do something that no one else is capable of doing or you know be part of an operation where if they took you out the equation then things would kind of you know grind to a halt and they'd find it really difficult to replace you um so yeah i think in terms of contacting people it is um a lot of it is luck and timing um and then it's the way that you actually kind of like hold yourself and and write those messages or emails or have those interactions Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was the first part of your question again? Kind of answer it because because I, I said how do you how do you approach artists? And I guess mm. you you take the formula of how you like to be approached and kind of flip it. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's, so, that's ultimately the best way. Yeah, I mean, I can give you an example, um, and I never feel like it's a bad thing. Like if you like someone's work and you think they're great, then why would you not want to write to them and say, hey, like I think you're fantastic. I really like what you're doing. I'd love to be involved. So that, that's what pretty much what I would do. If I found, I'm always looking for like new artists to work with just, you know, just because that's my passion. Like I want to work with like grassroots artists as well as the label um, artists as well. So with the grassroots artists, I would just reach out and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of what you're doing. I'm sure you have a great team around you, but if you're, if you're looking for, you know, a fresh set of ears or, you know, you, you're open to collaboration, then let me know and hopefully we can figure something out. If not, look forward to hearing more of what you've got. And that that would literally be it. And then, you know, I've had a pretty good success rate, to be fair. Like, I've worked with some really cool artists just off the back of, like, DMing people just because, I don't know, if you show that you're genuinely interested in, you know, their music, then, you know, what's to lose? 
exactly and the dms is where you you usually it's not emails you just straight to the dms straight to the dms mate um, <laughs> he slides in I think, I think um if i get a like a recommendation or an introduction then it'll be emails but if it's just me off my own back then it will be um dms because i'll regularly go on like soundcloud or whatever and just look at like the new music coming through and then hopefully it's got a link to their it's usually if you have someone on soundcloud it's easy enough to find their their ig so i'll just go through that mm. um but yeah man it's, it's so easy to do like it's so easy to do but what what i don't ever do is like if i don't get a response or if they see it or whatever then i wouldn't ever like pester and like continue being like oh come on like let's you know i would just leave it like you know especially if they've seen it they've read it leave it at that like if they if they want to work with you they'll hit you up if they don't then on to the next yeah yeah let's talk about the um let's talk about your bucket list of artists because you you've crossed out quite a lot let's be fair um good ones i've had some good ones you've had some great ones we we, were talking the likes of will i am still bangles brie runway um yeah but last last year was uh, ultimately covid hits 2020 is what it is and Mm. a, a lot of people um go left uh, field and and they don't really know what's going on and especially with like their work you did something a little bit different you end up receiving a brit certified gold for yeah, see nobody crazy. crazy um <laughs> by by wes nelson and hardy caprio you need to tell me more about this project yeah that was i mean i'm yeah it's crazy it is i'm so chuffed i'm so chuffed you talk about like bucket list and getting a I remember being sat in that that first studio in Bristol with DJ and Luke, and we were like going around the room and saying like, "What do we want? Like, what what is on our list?" And the first thing I said was like, "I just want a gold record. Like, I want a plaque. It's so bad." So to get that this year has just been it's been yeah, I'm absolutely chuffed. Definitely, um, man. But that again, like that opportunity came about by just networking and having relationships with all right people and also like when you get given an opportunity just being ready to pounce and like you know making sure that you're like well practiced and researched up until the opportunity and then when you have the opportunity boom like you're not going to let it go so i um when i was working at my the last studio before i went freelance place called take london which is primarily a nightclub um but they had this recording studio in the basement which is where i spent like two three years and that's where I worked with artists like Will I Am and like Migos and GZ and like you know all these big American artists that used to come and perform in the club then I would be in the studio and then you know it was just natural it was just really easy um and I got introduced to a guy there um an artist manager called Ryan who was managing a couple of artists who I got put in a session with just as a recording engineer and we did one day together and his artists went his artists went away to him and said, You've got to check this recording engineer out, like he's sick, like you know, they just spoke really highly of me, which I really appreciated. And um yeah, and then he said, you know, what you what you think about like management when you leave when you leave tape? And I kept a conversation going with him, you know, we'd met up and like had lunch and, you know, just talked about options. And he said, you know, I want to represent you when you when you finish. So he did, and um, See Nobody was one of the tracks that he brought me. Actually, after he, because then I 
moved to management, but I've maintained a really good relationship with Ryan still. Um, level of respect for each other is very high. Really top guy, like absolute workaholic, like grinds like no one I know. Um, kept a really good uh, relationship with him. And then he said, you know, I've got this new artist. Um, we're going to do a single and it's got a feature. They wouldn't tell me who the feature was for ages. And then they sent me the session. And obviously I was like, this is sick. Like, I'm going to do this. And ended up doing it like mid-pandemic from my like spare room that I turned into a studio just like on my headphones and cheap speakers. And yeah, it was... um. It was such a good opportunity, such a good experience. It really was. And they were all super easy to work with, like Wes as well, like super, super nice guy, really easy to work with, um, has a really, really strong work ethic. So he's probably going to go like really far just off the back of his death. Like his work ethic is crazy. Um, how do you, and we get, were just how do you it, get like, the actual... Wrap up. How do you get the, the call? for the so so the track gets released mm. you you know it's great you mm. you start hearing it on the radio you're like oh this this is my work i'm really pleased for it mm. who hits you up and goes gold <laughs> i think it was like i think it it hit silver first obviously and i was like this is sick i was like i can get a plaque for silver anyway so i was like tick like this is yeah, cool of course yeah i was like cool but then i text ryan being like well he texted me saying it's gone silver and i was like awesome sick let's order the plaques he's like no mate let's, let's wait for gold and i was like is it going there he was like definitely and then a few months later he was like let's get an order let's get an order in because you know it's gone it's gone gold so i think it was ryan if not, it was my manager, Jordan, but it would have been one of the two who said it's gone gold now. And I think, I think, I don't want to jinx it, but I think it's on its way to platinum. So, see. how about how about when that happens? I just bring you back on here just to basically say that line it's gone platinum, and then, and then we'll put out. <laughs> That like would be crazy. Yeah, that would be, that would be crazy, man. Um, yeah, well, for sure. You know, I love you. And we've, it's it's funny because I think you're the youngest guest we've had on the show. And I oh, often really? ask, I ask the question um, for everyone at the, at the end of the interview. It is my last one for you. And it's advice for your younger self. So advice for younger Will. I, mm. I knew younger Will. So I'm very curious to know what advice you would, you would give I'd be curious to hear what you would say as well. <laughs> the young girl. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, probably definitely. Say, like, wind your neck in or something. <laughs> no, no, no. You go. You go first. What What advice would you give what, yourself? What would I say? This is a good question. Um, what would I say? That's such a good question, man. I actually don't know. I'm not sure. In terms of like the journey to where I am now and I'm that's not by any means am I where I want to be but I'm just saying like to this point in time for when I started I wouldn't change that much just because it all I've always just been like very much like go with the flow and just whatever feels natural and if an opportunity comes up then great and I you know things like going to LA and then when I got back just went straight to London that kind of speaks for itself and it just worked um I would maybe say don't worry so much don't stress out like just do 
do what you're doing and make sure that you're enjoying it at all costs. And then, you know, as long as you've got a, a strong work ethic, which I do, and I definitely had when I was, you know, when we were working together, um, then it's going to be cool. Like you've just got to be passionate and hardworking, which I was, I think. Um, but I would maybe just say like, don't stress so much. Cause I definitely put myself under a lot of pressure. Like this is, this has got to work. This is absolutely what I'm going to do. Um, when I could, I could have probably just like relaxed a little bit and it probably would have happened the same way. So. Do you know what I'd say to you? What would you say? I'd say don't second guess a, a single thing. Yeah. Cause you, yeah. you did, you, you did used to worry a lot and yeah. and That's stress and and it, you just you you came up to me and you told me the right answer straight away but then you'd spend hours um and an hour in about something but mm. then it was weird because then the, the real big major decisions like should I go to LA for a job interview you would say yes straight away those are the easiest decisions like <laughs> yeah. which is stupid like those are the types of decisions that you're like hmm this is actually like you know it's going to cost a lot and like where am I going to stay but I was just like fuck it I'm just going to get out there and see what happens yeah 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 but I think that's a, that is a good one I, I just think I think when you're getting not not just the pressure you put on yourself but for example like for a long time my parents not so much my dad, but my mum, because she always worked in nine to five and she worked in banks and stuff. She just didn't really understand. And I'm sure it's the same with your parents as well. Like, you know, they just don't, it's not a world they're familiar with. So when I'm telling my mum that I'm trying to, you know, pursue a career in a role that she doesn't even know what it is, it's hard for them to kind of be like, okay, great. Like do whatever you need to do. My dad was better because he was a, a photographer for a long year, like a long time. So he understands the creative side of, you know, the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely, there was definitely a point where I kind of like doubted and I stopped and I was like, should I do this? Like, maybe I should just like chill and, you know, carry on bartending, which I loved by the way. Um, so yeah, I like yours better. Don't second guess. That's a good one. Just, just go for it. Full throttle. Don't look back. Just, just do it. A massive thank you to Will and for more interviews, AMAs, tips and tricks and exclusive content, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Famous Co. That's at The Famous Co. My name is Zaid. Go ahead and tap that subscribe or follow button and we'll see you all next time. You've been listening to Almost Famous, a music industry podcast powered by The Famous Company. If you're an independent artist or music industry professional, for more information, head to www.thefamouscompany.com.